Good morning and happy Easter. It's April the 9th, 2023. We have been preaching the last two Sundays about the final countdown and what that looks like. The beginning of a, a description of hell and what, what that looks like to those who are not saved. And then also beginning in Revelation last Sunday with the lucky number seven. I can't think of a better part of the final countdown to include than the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ this Easter Sunday morning. So our text today will come from Luke 24 verses 1 through 12 and verses 36 through 48. In your Bible, I use the NIV version, but uh, in your Bible it may even note that Jesus has risen. Starting with 24 verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone, rode away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But Peter did not believe the women because their words seemed to him like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Jesus appeared to the, to the disciples, starting with verse 36. While they were talking about this, Jesus stood himself among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Hallelujah. Very special morning indeed. I don't think there will be any other mornings like this one. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about mornings. 
our Savior prayed very early in the morning. Joshua is pictured as a man who rose up early in the morning. Think of that morning in Genesis 22 when Abraham rose up early and took Isaac to Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. What a morning it was for Jacob when he awoke from sleep and set up a pillar of stones in honor of God at Bethel. It must have been a glorious morning for Daniel when the first rays of sunshine lit up the city of Babylon after that night in the lion's den. Imagine how beautiful was the morning for the disciples after they spent that terrible night on the Sea of Galilee in that storm. While every one of these mornings were great, none of them can compare to the morning that is discussed in the passage we have read today. I have spent some mornings in places far away and wondered sometimes if I would still be alive until that morning. But yet, even when I saw the morning the next day and the sun broke through, nothing can compare to the morning that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I'm not really a morning person. My wife would tell you that. I've had a lot of mornings, but I've never had a morning like the one mentioned in these verses. I would like for us to spend some time today looking at a special morning, that great morning when our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, conquered death, hell, and the grave. There was never a morning like that before, nor will there ever be one like it again. What a morning it was when Jesus rose again. What a morning it was when Jesus pulled the stinger from death and gave life eternal to all those who will place their faith in him. What a morning. I want to examine again the wonderful events that occurred on that special morning when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. On this Resurrection Sunday, I'd like to study the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share a few observations from that special morning that make this morning a morning like no other. First of all, it was a morning of solemn reflections. As the morning began to dawn on that first day of the week, after Jesus had died on the cross, some women came to the tomb to finish preparing the body of our Lord for burial. The burial preparations had been started by Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea on the evening of the day our Lord died. You can look that up in John 19, 38-42. While these women were headed to the tomb, our Lord's disciples were locked up inside the upper room, trembling in fear that the same kind of death that Jesus had met waited them also. John 20, 19. I'm sure these women were sad and the disciples were scared. And just as Jesus had said, the shepherd had been smitten and the sheep had scattered. Mark 14, 27. Why were they so upset? You know, they had all believed Jesus to be the Messiah. They had placed their faith in him. And they had expected he would set up his kingdom and throw off the Roman yoke of bondage. Even though he had told them of the cross and the resurrection, they had never grasped the message or the meaning of Christ's words. Now, he's dead. They had banked their fortunes on the Lord's claims to be the Messiah. 
Now he's dead. And they are demoralized, disillusioned, despondent, and defeated. The one that they had placed all their hopes in was gone. This man, who had so radically changed their lives by his power and had demonstrated the love and the power of God to them, had died in a violent and humiliating death. It was a sad day for his followers. You know, as I reflect on the sadness of the disciples, I can understand their grief. Even Paul spoke about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He tells us that if Jesus is dead today, then we all have reason to grieve. If Jesus is dead, then we are all headed to hell, and none has hope beyond this life. And even in this life, we are most miserable. It was a morning of solemn reflections. And it was a morning of startling revelations. You know, in the midst of their sadness that morning, God the Father took great pains to minister to the needs of their hearts. Aren't you glad that the Lord cares about you when you hurt? Even in your worst day, the worst moment in your life, the Lord cares about you. You can note that in Hebrew 4, verse 15. You know, he moved in mighty ways to encourage the heart of these saddened believers. Some of the few, th few of the things that he did. He rolled away the stone from the tomb. You can look that up in, in Mark 16, 2-3, Matthew 28, 2. Not to let Jesus out, but to allow the Lord's followers in. He sent an angelic messenger with the good news that Jesus was alive from the dead. Again, noted in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, never has the world heard a message like that one. It still reverberates through the halls of time and will throughout all eternity. He is alive. He had a word of encouragement for Peter who had denied him. In Mark chapter 16, verse 7. He met Mary Magdalene outside the tomb. In John 20, verse 11 to 17. She had a great love for the Master. Great love begets great love. Remember that. He left a message for his followers inside the tomb. The interior of the tomb was not a scene of chaos. It was a scene of serenity and order. The fact that the napkin that had been wrapped around the Lord's face was folded and lying neatly by itself spoke volumes about what happened in the tomb that morning. In Luke 24, he revealed himself to two disciples as they traveled. He met with his disciples that evening to show them all that he was alive, John 20. He met with them a, a week later, again, just to give Thomas the assurance that he was alive, John 20, verses 26 through 29. You know, there were many great things that took place on that resurrection morning that marked it as a great and glorious day. For us, 2,000 years 
removed from the resurrection, the message has still not changed. We still need to hear the good news that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's alive today and there is hope for tomorrow. That person who's trapped in sin and sees no avenue of escape needs to know that Jesus made a way to set you free. You need to know that if you come to Jesus for salvation or for help, that he will be there to hear you, to save you, and to help you through this life. Everyone here needs to know that Jesus is alive. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. That's Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that came unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hebrews chapter 7. Isn't that a special gift, knowing that he's able to save us from anything? And that he lives to make intercession for us and sits on the right hand of God the Father to do so. Thank God for the proof that Jesus lives. You know, there's a song we sing sometimes around Res Resurrection Day that says verses like this. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. You know, that morning was a morning of stunning revelations and stunning realizations. When the disciples were cowering in the upper room out of fear for their lives, something miraculous happened in their presence. Jesus, the one who had died just three days before, was standing in their midst. They were terrified, and they thought they saw a ghost. However, Jesus had some news to tell. He showed them the nail prints in his hands and his feet to prove that he was real. He offered to let them touch him, and then he sat down with them to eat. Most of the disciples hadn't believed until this moment. Now they are convinced Jesus is alive. The statement, and while they believed not for joy and wondered, means that it seemed too good to be true. They were beside themselves with joy and they couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was an exciting moment for the disciples of our Lord. This is what needs to happen in the lives of many people living in our world today as we prepare for the final countdown. 
the world needs to realize that Jesus Christ is more than a baby in a manger or some poor fellow who just got himself crucified. He's more than a story in a dusty old book. You need to understand that Jesus is alive. He is real, that he's the only hope you have of missing hell and getting into heaven. Look at John 14, 6 and Acts 16, 31. Hope you're taking notes. We need to grasp the truth today that it was not some bonnet-wearing, basket-toting, egg-hiding bunny rabbit that died on the cross and arose from the dead. This day is about Jesus. It's about the fact that he died for our sins while we were yet sinners. It's about the fact that he was buried and then three days later he kicked the back door out of the tomb forever and made a way for you and me to enter into eternal life by merely trusting him as our Savior. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a story on the page of a book? Or is he real in your heart today? You see, just knowing about Jesus and what he did will not save your soul. You have to know him in a personal and real way before you can be saved from your sins and free from an eternity in hell. So who is Jesus to you? You know, this is a question that must be faced by all men. Jesus posed it to his disciples in Matthew 16, 15, 16. Whom say ye that I am? Peter had the right answer. Do you? Another question that needs to be asked and answered is the one asked by Pilate in Matthew 27, verse 22. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? What is your answer to these important questions today? You know, Easter morning, resurrection morning, was a morning of spiritual repercussions. As they ate that first resurrection morning, Jesus began to tell his disciples that God's plan was to save the world. They had been called by the Father to be witnesses of that and that they were there to spread the news with a great spiritual victory that had been won when Jesus arose from the dead. See, when Jesus arose from the dead, some very old enemies that had plagued man since dawn of the, of the world entered into the, the, that world forever defeated. Death was defeated. You know, imagine the struggle that ensued early that morning as death had to give up the prince of life. That's a struggle. No more would death be able to claim the victory and sting the human race with its bitter curse. You see, Jesus entered into death's domain and rendered it helpless. 
Now for the child of God, death is merely the doorway from this land of sorrow to that heavenly land of splendor where every tear shall be wiped from every eye and the saints of God will live forever in the glorious presence of our exalted Savior. Hell was defeated. When Jesus entered death for mankind, he descended into a place called hell. He went to the paradise portion of that land of the dead. Luke 16, 19 through 31. This was the same place that the redeemed thief on the cross went when he died. Luke 23, 43. You see, Jesus went there and proclaimed liberty to those who had died looking forward to his coming in faith. When he arose from the dead and ascended to his Father in heaven, the Bible tells us he took those souls with him to the Father, Father in heaven. Look in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Now all those who believe in Jesus go directly to the Father when they leave this world. Hell has forever been removed for the child of God. Think about that. That's a gift. Hell has forever been removed for a child of God. The grave was defeated. Another enemy that died on resurrection morning was the grave. All his life, man lives in fear of that moment when he will lay down his body in death. As one of our members and I were talking about the other day, we are ready to go to heaven, but we will always fight for that next breath. You know, I'm afraid some of us have the wrong perspective when it comes to the grave. That hole in the ground is nothing more than a place to store this old, worn-out, sin-ridden carcass until the day of the resurrection. When we lay down this flesh in our death, our spirits ascend to the Father in heaven. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. The next time we see our bodies, they will be glorified and they will be like his body. One of these days, the grave will have to give up the body that's been placed there, and that body will forever be changed into one just like that born by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus, the casket no longer becomes a place for death, but becomes a hope chest, holding within it a body that will be raised from the dead, glorified, and taken to heaven. Instead of weeping at the side of a departed saint, we ought to shout ourselves hoarse. You see, they've already outstripped us, and they're already home with Jesus in glory. What a blessing to know. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. Another enemy that died that day was sin. Now, in truth, sin had been taken care of three days earlier on the cross. But the resurrection of Christ from the dead is the Father's amen to the sacrifice of the Son on the cross. I want you to think about that. Most of us have children. Would it not be hard for you to see your child 
die the same death as our Lord Jesus Christ. Think of how his mother Mary felt as she stood there watching her son die the most hideous death known in that time. See, the Romans did not invent crucifixion. They borrowed it from other countries. And as they went from one country to another, they took things with them from the country that they conquered. Crucifixion was one of them. Think about that. Your child on that cross. You know, I love my brothers and sisters, but I don't know that I could do that. I just don't. You know, a dead Savior serves no one. A dead Savior saves no one. But one who is alive can save all who come to him by faith. Hebrews chapter 7. Now that's a big verse and it promises great things to everyone who will believe its message. Sin does not have to defeat you. Jesus won the victory over sin on the cross and nailed its coffin lid shut when he arose from the dead. You can be free by faith in Jesus. That resurrection morning, another enemy took a beating that day. His name is Satan, the devil, the dragon, the accuser of the brethren, that old serpent, whatever name you choose to call him, the outcome's the same. He is the enemy of God and of the people of God. He tried in every way he could to short-circuit Christ's plans to go to the cross. Think about the death of the babies in Bethlehem, the storm on Galilee, the temptation, the oppression in Gethsemane, and more and more and more. You can go all the way back to the Old Testament where slain Cain slew Abel. See, Jesus endured every temptation. He weathered every storm, and he made it to the cross. When he cried, it is finished, Satan heard the foundations under his kingdom begin to crack. Three days later, when Jesus arose from the dead, Satan witnessed the total destruction of every plan and every scheme. He saw his power broken and himself judged. He was defeated forever by the Lord Jesus. Consider what the Bible says about the devil's future. Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3 and 7 through 10. Glory. Victory has forever been won over the devil. You know, do you understand it yet? Because Jesus lives, you and I can be saved by the grace of God. Because he lives, we can have our sins washed away forever. Because he lives, we can go to heaven when we leave this world. Because he lives, the grave has no power over those who believe. Because he lives, eternal life is our present possession. Because he lives, one day we too will live with him in that heavenly city. Because he lives, I'll never have to take a step in this world alone. Because he lives, there's hope, there's help, and there's a home waiting for us in eternity. Because he lives, I'm alive. 
because he lives, my sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Because he lives, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because he lives, God is my Father. Because he lives, sin has no more dominion over me. Because he lives, I'm saved forever. The list could go on and on forever until we exhausted all the vocabulary and language of men. What we need to understand today is that he lives. Have you come to realization that Jesus is alive and that he is who you need? Do you understand what will happen if you die without him? Do you realize that there's no other way into heaven than through the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you know that he died for you? Did you know that his death will not mean anything to you until you bow before him in repentance and humility and confess your sins to him? Did you know that you could do that very thing today, right this moment, and be forever saved today? You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to be before the pastor. You don't have to be before anybody except the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can get on your knees right now or pray from wherever you are right this moment and ask him. Did you know that you can bow before a risen Savior today and worship him? Did you know you could thank him for his grace, his love, and the fact that he's alive? You know, this Easter morning will be a wonderful day to come before the Lord and renew your commitment to him. It would be a wonderful day to thank him and praise him for his blessings in your life. It would be a wonderful day to call on the risen Savior and trust him for salvation, cleansing, help, or any of the other many things that we humans desperately need. You see, this resurrection morning, this Easter Sunday, could also be your day of salvation. Bow with me, please. If you can, if you can't, if you're behind the wheel of your car, I've said many prayers from behind the wheel of my car driving places. God can hear me wherever I am and whatever I'm doing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Easter Sunday, Lord. We thank you for your son and what he did for us on the cross. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross and take our sins to the grave and give us a way to spend eternal life with you and with him. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit as it helps guide our path in this world. And Father, I just ask if there be anyone listening in the sound of my voice, if they have not accepted Jesus, Father, I pray, Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray that they will accept him right now, Father. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> if you made a decision today, I would like to know about it. You can send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org or you can go to our website, www.christ-lives.org and, and hit the contact page there and leave a message for me. If you would like me to pray for you, 
please, please send me a message. It's an honor for us to pray for you. Again, thank you for listening this morning. And may you have the most blessed Easter of all. Amen.